Hey everybody, welcome back to Engage on 101.5 UMFM with your hosts Kate Jones and Josue Devi. Today we have a really special guest that we're excited to have on and have a conversation with. We have Mama We We Chiita Center. I'm sorry if I messed up the pronunciation of that, but Mama We Center is a strength and value-based family resource organization. They deliver community-based programs and services here in Winnipeg. Their name stands for We All Work Together to Help One Another, and I've heard a lot of good things about their organization about the community center so without further ado welcome on to the show and you can go ahead and introduce yourself and your role at Mama We. Hi yes my name is uh, Rosalind Boucher most people call me Rosie um, so I'm the communications manager here at the Mama Wichita Center and I've been with the organization um, so just over about a year. Awesome and um, just as a sort of background, what is the main purpose of the center and your day-to-day there? So the Mama Wichita Center is an Indigenous-led community-based organization, and we provide a number of strength and value-based programs and services to Winnipeg's Indigenous and North End communities. So the organization's been around for over 36 years. We started in 1984, and it really started as a grassroots initiative. So community members coming together, having conversations about concerns and things they were seeing in the community that they wanted to better, specifically around the high number of Indigenous children entering the child welfare system. So a community coming together, having those conversations, looking for solutions, you know, how do we support our community? How do we support our children and our families? How do we work against these systems that were set up to be against us? And, you know, how do we really invest in our future and come together and uh, build strength within our community and create better futures for our community? So like I said, it's been around uh, for 36 years. Uh, Today, we have over 50 programs. We operate out of, I think it's like 14 sites right now. COVID has kind of made things fluctuate a little bit with us moving sites for different programming. And we have over 200 staff and we rely on a very large network of volunteers. So uh, it's a pretty large community and we're, we're all, you know, just like our name says, working together to help support one another. That's awesome. That's really impressive. Would you be able to go into some specifics about some of the programs and services that you are offering currently? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So with all of our programs, we operate under four pillars of service. So we have our caring for our relatives, community care, youth development, and Indigenous knowledge. Um, So just to kind of break those down, caring for our relatives is really supporting our youth and families that are involved with the child welfare system. We uh, advocate, we have programs for foster care programs, we support youth in care and have youth care homes. And we also have uh, the family group conferencing which is an Indigenous-based model for uh, making families the decision makers in the reuniting of children with families. And then we also have our community care pillar, and that one is our community care sites. We have three that operate throughout the North End, and those are just gathering places where community can come together, you know, have a meal, access bus tickets, access programs and services. Our volunteer programs run out of those sites, and um, it's just a really great place to come 
together and access a number of supports. Um, youth development, we have a really large youth program. And within the youth program, there are just a number of smaller programs that support kids from pretty young all the way up to those young adults that are, you know, 20, 25 years old that are getting ready for school or um, employment readiness. There's a number of cultural programs we have there um, for kids as well. And uh, also just different activities are lots of different programming. It's a really awesome program and it's really youth led. So it's asking youth what they want, what they want to do and giving them leadership opportunities as well. And then our final pillar is that Indigenous knowledge. And this one's kind of interwoven throughout all of our other programs, but it's really going back to those Indigenous ways of being in relationship with each other, having that interconnectedness in community and those um, traditional relationships and way of supporting each other. So that looks like uh, our Wichiwen program, which works with our relatives experiencing homelessness, offering them support and meeting them where they're at. We also have the Spirit of Peace program, which is a family violence prevention program. And that's really looking at the effects of colonization in our communities and what um, leads to family violence and helps a community heal from family violence. Um, and we also have a youth development center and a uh, indigenous languages daycare as well. So quite the range, we're looking at always supporting our community from just the little ones all the way up to our elders. So we have just a range of programs. Um, of course, things have uh, been a little bit different the past couple of years. A lot of things have had to move virtually um, or we haven't been able to offer all of the programs um, just in a way that we're ensuring that our staff and community are safe. But we're doing all we can to uh, do it virtually and, you know, check in and support our community, even if it's just, you know, checking in at the front door, making sure, you know, they're healthy, they have the supports they need, whatever that's going to look like. So that's really awesome to hear that you guys have so much going on within the community and, you know, just engaging in so many different types of ways. What are some of the biggest challenges and like barriers that Mama We might face while trying to to undergo some of these things they do in the community? Yeah, a number of barriers that we face is definitely community doesn't have access to all the same resources, like some of the things that we might take for granted, just, you know, like identification, a lot of programs and services you can't access without identification, you know, phones are also a barrier, even accessing some programs, if you have to call and wait on the phone, if you're doing a pay by minutes, things like that, um, that can be a real challenge, a real barrier for a lot of people. And a real barrier we're seeing too with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of our programming is having to go virtual is our community doesn't have access to, you know, smartphones all the time or tablets or computers or any of these resources that you would need to be able to access the programming. Additionally, I had mentioned our Spirit of Peace program, which is the family violence prevention, and it can be a real barrier to have these support groups when people are disconnected. So um, even if they're attending virtual from home, that can be a real barrier. And we have been um, really kind of battling that and trying to get back to in-person while still being safe. Definitely sounds like a challenge in itself. And you spoke on COVID-19. Has there been any like other major barriers from COVID that's caused for you guys? I know you guys moved to online and things like that and people not being able to have, you know, access to tablets and phones. Has COVID caused any other things for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So 
Pretty early on in the pandemic, we were keeping an eye on what was happening with COVID-19, both locally and at a national level. And so pretty early on in the pandemic, we had to close our community care sites. So we saw right away that our community was going to be disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. And we wanted to make steps right away as soon as we saw it entering our community and our community starting to be impacted by the pandemic we did make the unprecedented decision to close public access to our community care sites and so these sites would see sometimes hundreds of people a day through them there's a number of individuals and families that access supports through these sites uh, on a daily basis and a weekly basis so we knew that our community was going to be greatly impacted by the pandemic and by the closure of not just our sites but a network of support with other community organizations and that that was going to create a real barrier. And our organization is so built around relationships and maintaining those relationships and being in good relationship with each other and supporting each other that just that disconnection itself was going to be such a huge barrier. So we really on uh, within probably a week turned those sites into a food hamper program. Like we knew that food security was going to be a big issue with the pandemic and with the closing of these networks of support. So pretty quickly, we transitioned into a lunch kit program. So we had about 300 families that we were close to. They were accessing programs every day. And so we were able to do the lunch kit program for them. Um, and then through within about a month, we also, with the support of the Home Nutrition and Learning Program, as well as a number of funders and donors, we were able to scale that up. And we're still running that program today. So that program operates out of our Larson Community Care Site. We have distributed upwards of 225,000 food hampers since I think it was March of 2020. And that's about 1,000 hampers per week. And it's feeding just shy of 2,000 children a week. So it's pretty substantial program that food security and income security is definitely a concern and a barrier in our community. And it's one of those needs that needs to be met before we can start looking at some of those other supports that families and individuals need. Absolutely. Just one of the most fundamental things. And that's very impressive. And yeah, just personally appreciate that you're able to do that for our community. That is really amazing. A question we'd like to ask on the show is in regards to all these barriers, assuming hypothetically, you could have every barrier lifted, including like, you know, all the funding for any programs and just every barrier lifted, what would be a priority? What would you want to see change if you were in that case? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. We would really focus on going back to those traditional ways of knowing, doing, and being. I mean, that's something that we we work on that we try to put into all of our programs and services. But if, yeah, if we weren't um, facing these barriers all the time, we could put so much more into, you know, reviving our languages and our land-based education and, you know, really celebrating and investing in like letting our youth thrive, you know, really putting those resources into advancing and celebrating our youth and growing our families and just having that safe and healthy communities, that would definitely be something that we would be focusing on. So really building better relationships in our community, both within our community and our families. I mean, again, that's something that we're doing, but we could just go so much stronger in that area if we weren't facing some of those barriers all the time, for sure. 
Definitely. Yeah, no, super, super incredible to hear and definitely what we wanted to hear, you know, and it's unfortunate sometimes, you know, community organizations don't get the full supports they need. Sometimes, you know, they're unrecognized by different um, government officials or city funding and things like that. So our hope is that, like, you know, a lot of these organizations and people can have these barriers erased so they can do the good work they that they want to do. If one of our listeners wanted to access Mama Wee's programming, or even, I guess, like, let's say one of our listeners wanted to come and be more involved with what you guys do, maybe work with you guys, where can where can they go? And what's the best route for them to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So usually, I would say, you know, come down to one of our community care sites, the all of the sites do remain closed to the public right now. So the best course of action would be just to call our main line, which was 20490 250300 and then we can route you to the appropriate department. We do have a number of volunteer opportunities. Right now it's really focused on the food hamper program and we're always looking for more volunteer drivers. So we have staff that, you know, pack those hampers, couple hundred hampers every single day Monday to Saturday, but then we're always relying on volunteers to help us deliver the hampers to individuals and families throughout the city. It's not just in the north end and we just don't have the capacity capacity to do that with just our staff. So we do rely on a number of volunteers. So, you know, if you have time in the afternoons, um, Monday to fr- uh, Monday to Saturday, then right around noon, one o'clock is when they're usually ready. And we can send you out with a few or we can send you out with a carload. So it takes between a half hour to an hour to deliver a carload. The staff is amazing. They put together a delivery list for you. They make it super easy. They put a map together so you know where you're going and they pack them in your car in the order that you'll be delivering them. So you're not, they, they make it really easy. And, um, you know, we've gotten really good feedback from the volunteers. And again, we're always looking for more. So definitely check in with us if you have some availability. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, you heard it here first. Everybody, you can go check them out. Just become involved with what they're doing because they're doing incredible work. And the more people that come together, I just think the more that we can accomplish within the community. One of the other questions that I have is what does the future look like going forward right now? I know we're kind of still on the verge and on the edge of the pandemic, but if you guys had any future plans or events coming up, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Lots going on in the background for sure. And, you know, a little bit at a standstill with the pandemic. A couple of our sites are operating um, with COVID programming. So um, the 445 King Street location, the Gathering Place for Truth and Reconciliation is operating as a rapid COVID testing site right now. So that will be in effect as long as it needs to be. So we're not really sure how long, but there's still a need in the community. So that's still in operation there. We also have our vaccination site at 363 McGregor, which is one of our community care sites. That site will also be in operation as long as we need to support our community in that area. And right now we're also, in addition to the COVID-19 vaccine, we're also offering catch-up vaccinations for kids. Um, So if your kid missed any of their vaccinations because of COVID um, and they require to catch up for school, we have um, availability at our site for walk-in or by booking through the uh, Manitoba vaccination phone line. So those that's what's happening at those sites. We are working on a new strategic plan for the 2021 to 2025. So we're getting ready to launch that. And that's really just looking at our goals and strategies for the next five years within the organization. And it's really focused on getting more culture and language into all of the 
the programming that we're doing. So when I had mentioned like that's our vision, if we weren't facing these barriers, we're still trying to work towards that as much as we can in the meantime. So it's really focused on like, how can we do this through an Indigenous framework? How can we change this from a Western framework to an Indigenous framework that's going to better serve our community? So definitely stay tuned for that. And we also have our rural lodge that is over by Hillside Beach. So that was an operation for a number of years and unfortunately had a fire back, I believe in 2018. So we rebuilt and the building's done and we are going to be looking at opening probably next year, just given what's happening with the pandemic. But that sleeps about 36 people. It's a wellness lodge and it's available to support organizations that want to have retreat with their staff, want to do cultural activities out on the land. Lots of really great things going out there. We're building trails. It's a beautiful site and we're just really looking forward to having a place outside the city we can take community to again, we can take our staff to again, and we can also provide that to the wider community who might also want to access nature and do some cultural programming outside the city. So those are just a few things. Well, this has been quite informative. Sounds like y'all are really on the ball planning for five years from now. I'm excited to see what you'll be having going on during that time. Yeah, so before we wrap up here, is there any kind of PSA call um, announcement just for our listeners and just the people in general? Any kind of events, any call to action, anything you need from the community to help support the community? Lots of good questions. Well, as we look at reopening, uh, we're doing in a really slow phased approach to reopening our sites because we just want to be, um, you know, as careful as possible, keep our staff and community safe. We know that our community has been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic and we just we want to make sure everyone's safe. So as we get ready to reopen, we will be looking for more and more volunteers for different programming. Specifically, I know it's a little early to start thinking about Christmas, but every December we do have our Christmas. Christmas hamper drive. So we're always looking for volunteers to deliver Christmas hampers to families. We deliver about 200 every year. And that always happens the Saturday before Christmas. So we'll be posting on our website and social media if you want to keep an eye out for that. And then that again is it's just awesome. You get to deliver food and toys to families for Christmas. It's a really amazing um, opportunity. So if you have availability, definitely join us for that. And and again, the Monday to Saturday, we have have the food hamper program that we uh, need support delivering food hampers to our families. So if you're available, definitely reach out to us and we'll connect you with our volunteer coordinator. And we're always welcoming donations through Canada Helps, or you can access that at mamawee.com slash donate. And that just helps us support our community in a number of ways. So whether that is through programming or services or support or advocacy, see every little bit helps so if you can definitely support us in that way as well very cool very cool that's awesome i'm sure that we'll have a lot of listeners interested in exactly what you guys are doing so if you guys are listening once again please go help them out they're constantly looking for volunteers and more people to be involved so yeah it's incredible you guys are doing incredible work and one thing a uh, question we like to kind of give everybody as we wrap up here is we allow them to 
play a song that they want to hear because as we air on the radio a song that might follow the episode so if you had any specific song that you wanted to play you can go ahead and let us know and we can make sure that that plays after this episode oh okay can i think about it and let get back to you yeah yeah of course yeah definitely (laughs) absolutely so otherwise thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and speak to us and educate us and our listeners on what y'all are doing sounds amazing i'm very impressed i learned a lot today and uh yeah i'm just very grateful that you would uh, take the time out of your day to do this Well, thank you so much for having me. I hope I covered enough. The I also just want to say, you know, it's not just me. I'm, you know, privileged enough to be in a position that I just get to promote the amazing work of the staff of the Mama Wichita Center. And it's really the work of the community and the staff. And I just get to be the person to, you know, promote it in in areas like this, where I get to say how awesome the organization is. So I just really want to do a shout out to our community and our families and the youth that we work with and our staff and volunteers because they're really the ones out there on the ground um, making big changes in our community. 100%. Absolutely. Love to hear it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, we're excited to see what you guys have going on in the future. We're excited to see the next steps that you guys take and we're excited to see the growth. It's always good having supports like this in the community and, you know, just getting the word out there that more people can hear about it. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on and I'm sure that we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Do you need anything else from um, any additional information from me before it posts or are we good? I don't think we actually covered the specific handles for social media and any like website or anything like that. Okay. So you can find the Mama Wichita Center on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our handle is at M-A underscore M-A-W-I. And we update a lot. We have a lot of opportunities and programming that we post about. So if you want to give us a follow, then you'll be the first to know about new programs and services, different supports, you know, care packages, things like that, and then also volunteer opportunities. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rosie. This has been Engage on UMFM 101.5 with your hosts, Kate Jones and Josue DeVee. You were just listening to Mama We, and we'll see you guys next week.